0: Power Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved, powering athletes for over twenty-five years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL fifteen for partnership pricing at PVL.com. Hey, that's that's unfortunate. This.
1: Brian, I'm going to kick this over to you, my friend, because there's actually a, a kernel here that's very interesting. But one part I find myself remarking on Eric largely because we're reading the reviews and I'm sure on YouTube, I can see the stats where America only represents about 50% of the viewers. There's about 20% in Europe, uh, 15% between Australia and Canada. So what's that? 35%. So that's 85%. But there's like 15% the rest of the world. It is always cool to see the reach of something like Iron Culture, the podcast, because the you know tagline beneath Iron Culture is for all lift lifters. And it has been amazing, you know, talking about SBD, talking about Sheffield off air, where they were telling us. So Pete was telling myself and Ben of Elemental Formulations how you know they're making uh, inroads in uh, like Southeast Asia, Singapore, so on and so forth. It's just very interesting and refreshing for me to see uh, lifting become so commonplace. And the lifting we're talking about—not that you need to do that style, like probably with the barbell or either like bodybuilding, powerlifting, weightlift, some sort of modality—but just like a regimented training routine having that impact and people taking up. I think that's that's awesome.
0: Yeah, particularly Asia is is like their championships is getting bigger and bigger. Um I've had on people from uh you know on the King of List podcast like women in Asia now they're saying like I asked like what, what is it different culturally? Um these ladies were from South Korea in Japan. Um uh, shout out to Esther and Ken and, and they were talking about how like you go into a gym and historically speaking it would be like women who feel more pressure not to be lifting, not to make themselves bigger, but to be take up less space, to be more meek, a little more quiet, very humble. You're doing very good. You're strong. No, 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 no. no. That's how you're supposed to reply back. No, no, you, you don't lean into these compliments, etc. But with social media um, and live streams being accessible all throughout the world... Now, these ladies over there are in different pockets of the world are starting to see it. And I remember when I first had on uh, Esther and Cannon, because I haven't had them on a couple of times, they were like, I was like, who's popular over there? Who's bumping? And they're like, man, we love like when Heather Connor, who's smaller in stature. Smacks her chest when after she won worlds in 2019, she ah, and hit her chest, like, and she would hop on a podcast. Be and I'd be like, what, What's your message to all the other 57s who were showing up at the world championships? And Heather's like, I can't wait to see who comes in silver. And they like, Oh, shit. like, and they were that is so opposite of them that they would feel like, I want to, it, br- it brings them in. So, um, in terms of like powerlifting. You know, the influence across the world and people being like, I want to get involved. You know, I mean, we saw like a burst over in the women's side in in North America. How much when I started around 2008, you could go to meets and you would think it was an all men's meet, but there just wasn't women signed up. Now it's like, I don't know if it's 50 50, but it's getting close, the 40% range. And uh, the rest of the world starting to catch up like that as well. And then Europe, man, the, the, Elite level coming out of Europe, places like France right. have become hotbeds um like on the women's side, particularly, but on the men's as well, like Europe is catching up very quick. So powerlifting in general, and I think social media and the the quality of live streams has really helped because it's, it's you got YouTube you can watch you don't need you don't need ESPN or Eurosport or whatever. so it helps is it yeah, it's been expanding,
1: Eric question for you, my friend, because as soon as, yes, as soon as Ryan said, you know, like amazing South Korea, Japan, Esther talking about kind of the culture there and people might listen as like, wow, you know, is it really like that over there? We have to keep in mind though, that in the West, I want you to relate, uh, Eric, maybe a decade ago, I wouldn't say it was that dissimilar, uh, some of the cultural norms that were kind of regressive, um, other than the powerlifting scene or in the gym. Oh, you shouldn't lift too heavy. Like all, all the things that you see on social media, internet culture. I remember 2012, there's someone, Jamie Snow was her name, um, that competed at Fortis. uh, And just like, you know, she did it like people were hyping her up. But just the attitudes or my ex-girlfriend at the time that did some of the lifting. Oh, you shouldn't lift too heavy. You're going to get bulky, that they're pervasive. And it's people choosing to participate that permeates the culture and changes it. But hearing about hearing about that, Ryan, uh, from like, uh, as you said, I think South Korea, uh, Japan, it shows that and you have the stats, Eric. That's why I refer back to you about women participating in powerlifting mm-hmm. from 2012. What was the change? 10, 15 percent uh, points. But what what you said, Ryan, just reminded me like that's like 2012 powerlifting for me. Or well, let's go further back like 2005 or was like an old boys club, right, of who can lift. And like, why would you want to do that? Like, why would you want to get like strong or like bulky or this and that? This is a man's sport.
2: You know, the funny thing is to, to powerlifting's credit, yep. I don't think that was ever the popular perspective. Uh, most powerlifters, even the more old school yep. uh, mentality of powerlifters, were incredibly supportive of whatever women were involved. Yep. Um, of course, there's exceptions to that. But if I, I'm speaking in my, of course, limited <laughs> experiences, is not being a female powerlifter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. But absolutely coaching them and interacting with a lot of them, being married to one, um, it was very encouraging for the most part. And, and again, also, that's that's me hanging out in California. So that could be different. I don't know. Um, but I would say that society was lagging behind the perspective that powerlifters had. And, you know, if there's no examples of it, if it doesn't seem culturally acceptable, and if there are misconceptions about it, uh, among women, then it's going to limit participation. And having been a trainer at this time, and then thinking of you know where it's at today in 2023, there there was like layers to the issue. So I remember spending a lot of my time debunking the myth that just simply lifting would make make you look bulky, make you look quote unquote like a man or like a female bodybuilder, et cetera. Um, but the funny thing is, is like there's an issue with that, like. Because it, it almost it the, the underlying issue there is that it's not okay to be bulky, mm-hmm. like, e- even if lifting was going to turn you into Arnold Schwarzenegger today, which it doesn't even do for dude. Yeah. Um, that There's that no is only that. something for men. Like yeah. like that muscles, not you know testicles and a penis are are what make a man. And like last time I checked, women do move via contracting muscles and, and ambulating their skeleton. Um, I can check my, my science machine again if we want and beep pop, but yeah, that is true. Both men and women have, have muscles. So it's like that, that cultural belief, like the first level was just simply breaking the misconception. And then then the next level, is it becoming more and more okay for, you know, quote unquote, for, for women to, to seek getting more muscular and wanting to be bigger and take up more space, which was to Ryan's point, um, And if someone wants to listen to Not Three Dudes talking about this, we've actually had a couple of really great episodes. We had, you know, Jess Bittner on with Connor Heffernan, who talked about it from the historical perspective of women's bodybuilding. And then way in our early days, we had a fantastic episode on women in powerlifting, uh, where we had some greats. We had Natalie Hansen, Mm -hmm. who's a, you know, world-equipped champion. Uh, We had Miss Frizzle herself, Jen Thompson, the best bencher in the world. Arguably, regardless of, 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 of division or sex. Uh and then of course we had um probably one of the would you say she's the most popular powerlifter, or at least at the time she was? Steffi Cohen. Yeah, do you think Steffi Cohen was, was the most popular powerlifter at the time? Yeah, certainly amongst them, absolutely. Like twenty yeah. we're talking like twenty conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that that was an amazing episode yep. and, and getting their perspectives collectively was was just a real privilege to be able to talk to them. And so, so if anyone is interested in kind of understanding that more, definitely check that episode out. Um, if I recall correctly, uh, when I did see the stats, it was something like just below 40%, like 38%. But that was a few years ago, that might be higher now. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me because in 2019, here in New Zealand, there was actually slightly more women signed up for Olympic weightlifting New Zealand than there were men. So in, in weightlifting, it had surpassed that. That fifty-fifty threshold, which I do think is helped by uh, CrossFit a little more than powerlifting, uh, which is very popular among both men and women. But again, I, I think it's it's probably still trending upwards if I just had to throw a random guess out there. So that's not you know yeah. a stat that I have, but it's it, like sure. like Ryan said, it's probably at
1: least 40-60. Ryan, do you hear that, man? It- do you hear that, you hear that <laughs> yes. coastal elite talk by Eric? Well, I wouldn't know I was in California. So we were up here in Canada. Like, yeah, I shared some stories <laughs> off air. And Ryan can relate to some of the, the, <laughs> the scene that was taking place in powerlifting in 2011. Let me just say that it was more reminiscent of everyone's favorite direction. And I won't say which direction that it is uh i may have witnessed someone laugh at someone else when they tore some sort of ligament from their body when they missed a lift and that was just kind of the norm they're participating picture monster trucks so yeah i'm sorry we're not a coastal elite there eric that was privy to this like this panacea of welcoming welcoming you know messages or whatever we were just up there in the rugged north getting it done
2: well as everyone knows california is an absolute paradise with no (laughs) issues at all so once you can once you can learn from the way we, we do things, uh, you'll be better. And that's why I still live. No, I don't. I moved to New Zealand. So,
1: uh. <laughs> but Ryan, kick it off, man, because I we will get to this. This is uh, important because those reviews, I think, highlight something and something that you've done a very good job of, which is the infusion of having a personality, a genuine 3D personality, making it dynamic and engaging. We're talking about. Um, you know, mixed martial arts a little bit off air, like both of us watch, like UFC now, and so on and so forth. That there is a need to make things watchable, and that comes with the territory, right? Where you want increased exposure, you want increased viewership, and so you need to have you have to straddle this line, right? Of uh, being entertaining, being personable, which I think are qualities that you have, and also on the other hand, being knowledgeable. And sometimes, if you lean one way too much, so if you're, it kind of like it's like a circus show, uh, or or if you have a little bit too much flair persona, it could. Detract from the thing that's actually taking place. And I think what you do, the line that you walk is that perfect line between the two of being a competent, very competent, um, commentator that knows their stuff, but also can infuse both on your own podcast, but on the platform when you are doing the commentating, some of that personality that makes the overall spectacle, it highlights it and it elevates it to another level. So that's what when I read those reviews, there's a reason why I read the, the first review, then the second review, and so on. So it's awesome to have a fellow connect on man that has been doing the damn thing and has been instrumental in terms of changing how commentary is done in powerlifting.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I first started, I started powerlifting in 2018. I don't even know like this.
2: 2008, right?
0: 2008, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. yeah. He sorry. said 18. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, bro, you've been doing all this commentary.
1: Like, you're, you've been doing a crazy good job for never <laughs> yeah, just,
2: But, uh. I learned to squat last week.
1: <laughs> Damn. <That's rough. laughs> I just
0: found out who Jessica Bittner was <laughs> when you dropped earlier. And I was like, she sounds good. Um. <laughs> wow no but uh initially literally live streams were like somebody would set up a fucking like a camera in the back and just film through the crowd hit the platform one shot no commentary back in the day that's what it was i remember my friend around 2010 going to the arnold classic and for me to find out worry what how how the competition was going i had the results screen up and i would hit refresh and his attempt would either go green or red. And I knew if he hit it. And that was my live stream for the Arnold Classic 2010. Like, this is... To see how quickly we've moved to, you know, 2015 with, you know, Ray Williams and Brett Gibbs, et cetera. Like, this is... It's, it's moved along pretty quickly. When I first started, though, you know, when the streams... Just anything, things evolved. And when the streams first came along, it was kind of like, who wants to commentate... Um, throw them on if you're a powerlifter hop on the amount of podcasts we had nowhere near as many pretty rough around the edges and and they weren't very well organized and whatever just whoever had access to it so when i came on it was literally kind of like the wild wild west and i reached out to i remember having a vision for the social media that we like i for the ipf page initially and i started taking over the ipf page and started king of the list 2016 um i reached out to gaston parage i just shot him a fucking email that's the president of the ipf and i was like listen um I, this is my background just for a quick we don't gotta dwell on too much but i I was on a reality tv show for a season and um did some like media training etc and um, i'm comfortable on camera and i'm and i'm comfortable in these spaces and i think you know that was a whole nother life by the way but <laughs> i think i could be add something to the team if you put me on your media team and here's my vision for the social media and i wanted to do let's start and this sounds like well no shit now but at the time this wasn't happening follow the lifters and as a competition's coming up all of the lifters in that competition start getting highlighted zero in on clashes show them i would splice hack gibbs back to back hacks triple gibbs triple from that same week. And people start talking like fuck. You know what Hacks was a little heavier. But Gibbs a little quicker. In the comments and be being like, who's going to win. And start doing these things. And I know now. It's like well no shit. But at the time nobody was doing it yet. And I also so I was telling them. Give me the keys to that car. And I could do this for the IBF. And I was doing it for King Kinglifts at the same time. And um, I also had the vision. In other sports. The commentators half. To sound like professional commentators, I I would be so so. I made it onto the to the media team, and he put me on. and I'm running the account, and we fucking explode the IPF account, and Kinglist is exploding at the same time. But I don't tell nobody that I'm doing both because I don't know if the IPF is gonna be cool with me doing Kinglist because I'm sharing untested, I'm sharing everybody, right? Um, but they're both exploding at the same time. So I figured I'll make myself as valuable as possible while I can. And when it comes out that I am king of the lists, hopefully I'm as valuable asset, but they're like, hey, fuck it. Let's just keep rolling with this. So an email went out um, to the IPF media team, which I became on and everyone's seen me killing it for the social media, which they appreciated. And then um, the email said, who wants to commentate the IPF World Championships, Texas? 2016, and I'm like, we just replied to an email and you're commentating. And I'm like, well, that's all right. So I replied, I'll do it. And I got an email back. Okay, great. We'll book your airlines and we'll fly in. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm I'm about to commentate. I've never commented. So I, I fly in and me and the media team. The day before, grabbing groceries and whatnot, and um, I'm these are TV guys who are like like who work for BBC the whole night, and we're grabbing groceries for the week, and because we've got our rooms and everything, and I'm talking to the the other commentator who's done a couple championships, and he says to me, um, "So, how many championships have you done? Like, I I haven't done it. This is my first championships. He's gonna say your first world championships. Like, how many championships back in from Canada? How many national championships?" I haven't done any national championships. How many provincial championships have you commentated? Like, no, I haven't done the Ontario provincials either. And he's like, How many times have you commentated powerlifting? And I said, Well, man, tomorrow's gonna be the first time. <laughs> 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 well this vetting process he's like holy shit and i'm like oh, my anxiety's through the roof and um this will never happen again by the way like that this is all of right place right time you get in the yep. same like take like you'll never take over a international organization social media like that you'll never hop on a media team like that but i was in the right place at the right time and i cut my teeth and <laughs> i went through the masters dog literally on the air I went through the masters, <laughs> I went through the juniors, and then by the time I was in the open, it was Hack versus Gibbs, and um and it was like one of the biggest, most iconic showdowns of all time. SBD for the first time did posters where the both both lifters are facing each other, like 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 uh, two boxers would, and for the first, we never did this before. And I've been hyping it to the fellas on the team, like I'm telling you, this is the one, this is the one, Hack Gibbs, this is the one. And everyone on the media team, for the first time ever, they by the time this happened, they'd go, Ryan, when we come in this time, we're going to turn the camera to you, and we want you to give a two-minute intro on what the meaning of this is. And that's when I get... And this never happened before. SBD never did posters like this. I was running the social media account and never before I know because I was following social media. Did anyone hype it up on the IPS social media, the clash, who's going to win this person, that person? Everything was brain fucking new. This is the first time hack kids. That's why this is such a monumental... And then when they turned the camera on me, I said, this is our Ali Frazier. This is our Sampras Agassiz. This is our... And I went into... The historical significance. And I go, these are two champions about to clash in their prime. And, and then we kicked it off and they lived up right to the very last fucking deadlift. And, um, and then boom goes the dynamite after that, uh, any kind of talk of, and I had them all on the podcast right afterwards. And I knew when that was done, I knew like the IPF's not going to get rid of me. They're about to find out I am king of the list. Um, I did my job and I, like, we, I murdered on social media, did a good job of commentary and I became, I was on camera. So people like, we see him if he disappears, where's he at? <laughs> and then this was a big enough profile as well. So I started interviewing people and boom, cats out the bag. It is what it is. And that was the beginning of, um, the very first commentator who also had a podcast and became an actual personality who's a commentator in powerlifting. Now you got, now everyone's like, yeah, you commentate, you got a podcast, You're a social media influencer in powerlifting. It's easy now to say that, but at the time, no, but this is, none of this happened yet. And I was like, I think we could, there's a door. I could do this. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to, let me see what's going to happen. And I don't know what was going to happen. I don't know if I was going to like, I don't know. I was breaking down, I was spreading new ground. Right. And, and it worked out. Fucking thank God. And then, um, after that, man, it, it it just became the podcast blew up, King of List blew up, and then freaking the commentary. And I started studying. I'll let you guys jump in with more questions in the second day. I know I could talk, but um, I started studying as well. Commentary is not a podcast, and you don't I don't care about how funny you are. I don't want you to just try to drop your one-liners and all oh, they're so funny. I also don't want fake excitement because that's not what i would see i would watch sports and take notes on the cadence like and next up eric helms eric helms is coming from new zealand eric coming back from a very serious entry and i'll see what he does here with this deadlift and you start talking like that and and, and you could bring it down and then you go oh and Eric, you could bring it back up mm-hmm. but you can't celebrate every single lift you can't celebrate if it's not there like that because it's disingenuous. It's not authentic. And no one's going to fucking believe you when you celebrate when Jessica Bittner actually pulls the biggest deadlift of all time. I took notes on this shit and it wasn't. Sometimes you hear, hear commentary and you're like, I could tell you're a lifter or a podcaster. You're trying to be the podcast personality right now. It doesn't fit. I won't sound the same on the commentary as I do on a podcast. Or, like, I could tell you're trying to drop your one-liners or be funny or be that guy. But that's not the time. That's not why I'm here. Sound like a fucking commentator if you're on ESPN. And I, like, literally, the way they pronounce CA, whoa, like, stretch out some words and whatever. Take a pause and hold that pause. And put pauses that you do shit like I just did to create... I took notes, man. How do you make things more exciting? So when people say it's more exciting when, when if six pack lab at a commentate, it's like, fucking try. And I'm not just going in there like, let me just try to be funny. Let me just try to whatever the shit. No, that's a podcast playboy. That's not, that's not Uh, it's not commentary. So there's just all of this that I like over the years, you know, I'm not saying I make mistakes. I'm human. You do as many sessions as I had as over as many years, but I took it uber, uber, uber seriously. Uh, very, very seriously. Like hours, I, I, I would be like, what's the closest sport I could take? And like baseball was big. Cause the, the batter comes up, you say his name, you say his batting average, the lifter comes up, you say their name, you say the weight they're going to do. Like I would, it's the rotation. It, it kind of rung bell to me and you start picking these things up and I just made notes, man. And, uh, right down to the cadence, right down to the, it, it had to sound like it. Uh-huh. I took pride in it. I took serious, serious pride. And then you get into leading and co, the job of the lead, the co- job of the co, and you don't step on each other's feet in the whole nine. And it is like, you know, if I get a co in there, that's I'm like, listen, this is your job. This is my job. And there's a difference. And like, please don't try to lead me unless you want to lead, but you got to actually know how to lead. <laughs> there is a the difference.
1: Uh-huh. Eric. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. Who's leading? It, who, who I don't know. Do you lead or see, I lead? Ryan. I don't know. Ryan, Do you know how are, to lead? We are co-leaders you, here. Right. Um, I was going to say, just very briefly, because I, I did want to touch on that, and Eric, that's something very important. I'm sure you picked it up as an audio guy. With Ryan, when you are doing commentating, it's very, very important. The distinction, like how you sound on King of the Lips, is night and day. The cadence, the diction, the intonation, the inflection on certain things. I noticed all that. You'll like this quick side story, uh, Ryan. So David Lee Roth, when they asked media training, like, oh, like you're very personal, you're great at interviews, where'd you learn it from? And he quoted verbatim, he would listen to the radio incessantly. And there was one, like, let's say KPLR uh, out of like, uh, you know, San Diego. And he quoted like the intro of the guy for a minute verbatim, because he would just listen to it. And that the whole thing, it is an art and a, a skill set. My quick question for you, and then I do want to uh, swing it back over to Eric. I get all that, and I think Eric also gets that too, the need for that, how that is a skill, all those things, a composite a skill that comes together. What would be some of your uh, comments regarding, not you specifically, but I intuitively understand for a sport to grow, that you need commentary to be at that level, and it needs to have all those points. But there are some people where it's different flavors, right, Ryan? Where they'll say like, oh, if it's an IPF, whatever, uh, meet or its world. I want something that's a little bit more like sterile or to the point, straightforward. Uh, a, B, C, and they'll say the idea that maybe throwing in too much personality uh, detracts from the spectacle, so on and so forth. Can you you have the driver's seat right now because you were there, 2016. You saw the impact. You saw your social media. So you have all these metrics. Can you give some commentary, a, a, a peek behind the curtain on why I'm like burying the uh, answer here, uh, why it is important to have some of those qualities that I think sometimes you'll see a difference, which is totally fine, right? There's a plethora of different opinions on how commentary should be done, but you've taken a particular style. It's worked tremendously. But can you just give uh, us a little bit more internal feedback, a peek behind the curtain of not only why you make those choices, but what some of the other outcomes would be. Like, Let's say if Ryan came on to the commentary booth and was a little bit more sterile, didn't have the inflection, what would that mean? In other words, you have carefully selected how you approach this, and I think it's worked very well. And I think there's a reason why it's worked and it's elevated the game. But can you just talk about the whole, uh, the art of commentary for those that don't understand? Because like I said, Eric, I know Eric's an audio guy too. I get it. Like, I get it but can you just explain that for some people that might listen to it? And yeah. again, for them too, they might not be able, the one, the thing that you said immediately that I could tell like musicians doesn't matter is when someone's like either phoning it in or they're trying to put on a personality that's not there. And you as a, a commentator can tell immediately because you've done the thousands of reps and that's an inside job tell right there that you just revealed. So just, I want like five minutes of that, man. If if you could just break that down and then Eric, uh, I want to pass over to you. All right. So he. first off,
0: I'm always cognizant of the fact that otherwise we're watching people exercise. Okay. Like initially early days when we're all just kind of finding our footing on this, um, you tune into an IPF or a powerlifting and it was literally watching people exercise. And it's just, here's name and lift name and lift. And something that I started bringing that previously people didn't necessarily have as well was also, um, uh, I knew their storylines and I am constantly hunting for a storyline. Um, if I can get a storyline, if it starts, like for instance, let, let me, give, let me give you an example. I was heavily into to 2018, um, Sergei, Sergei Gladkick from Russia, 66 kilo clash with Charles Apoko. It's U S and Russia for the world championships. Gladkick had not missed a lift. In two years at the world championships, nine for nine, as a matter of fact, had not got a single red light. I dubbed him Mr. Perfect. And I built that on purpose on social media, the IPF page, which I was running, and King of the Lifts leading into it. Knowing that I'm building this now, everyone's like, what happens if he misses a lift? I always know, they, it, you can't control the storyline, you lean into it. So when the big clash happened between him and Charles and they went toe to toe, and the world record was loaded up for both men for the third squats, Charles hits, Gladkick misses. And then it becomes, oh my god, Mr. Perfect has finally missed the lift. And ladies and gentlemen, the battle has started. And then it becomes bigger and augmented because you laid the table in um, to the point of like the difference when you it, look at I, I know the way I'm talking and storytelling right now, the inflections of my voice and all that. This is just natural too. like I'm excitable guy. I'm not joking. When the IPF World Championships rolls around, I can go four days without sleeping because I can not sleep, man. I will go to my hotel room, stare at the ceiling and I'm too freaking wound up. This is how I, I'm just like, when I get into storytelling mode, this is, it is what it is, man. Um, so in terms of bringing excitement, that's the way I am. In terms like trying to look for, hunt for a story, it it kind of is, that's the way I am. But if you don't have that kind of, if it's not the way you talk and you are just more of a monotone type and you're not looking for storylines in giving, why do I care? Why do I, even if someone's not there, I'll say that is a message to Joy Namani. Joy Namani is watching us, and Jad Jacob just took her record. 0.5 kilos separated them at the Open World Championships. Now Joey Namani at the European Championships just took her record by 0.5 kilos. 0.5 kilos separate these women. We'll see you in Sheffield. There's a storyline that just rolls off, and I'm just fucking. I didn't commentate Urals, but that's exactly how I would have done it. you know what I'm saying? Like, this just happens. And when there's a comment of deadlift that finishes it, you have to make people be like, fuck. And the promotion for the next competition begins exactly when that last deadlift hits. And you say, well, there's the warning shot. You know, there we are. and You just, you put it in perspective. It needs to be that way. Um, otherwise, it's not enough to be like, that was a record and it's gone. When we were watching the junior world championships and I'm like, um, Eduardo from the 83s is about to go for the junior squat world record. I know whose fucking world record that is, but let me make it dramatic. And I go, Gavin, do you know who squat world record that is? No, I don't. I go, take a second here look it up on your phone. And then the, the car, you could hear it. And he goes, oh my God, say who it is. That's John Hack. That's John Hacks' squad world record. And it, like, But you do things like this to give meaning to it. Otherwise, it's a yep. junior squad world record that we've seen. You know how many of those you see in the junior world record championships? All the time, playboy. You need to give meaning to these. And it helps to, like, know the sport, know who's who, know the stories, to bring that and give some excitement. So people are like, oh, shit, did you see? Dude took John Hacks' record. It's, it, it means more than just... Dude broke a squat world record. You know this. You you watch powerlifting, and it happens all the time. Squat records fall all the time. It just helps, man. It's um, it's the storylines. It's giving meaning to it, and it's excitement, and it's the inflection of the voice when it's time to give inflection of the voice. Um, that make it. Otherwise, you're watching people exercise. Don't ever take for granted. You, I'm watching people exercise. Why? Why do I give a shit about what's about to happen on there? And also knowing the rules. So I'm like, this will put them in third. This will put them in first. This will be, well, that's team. You know, the bigger picture here, it's got to be said, if she wins gold, all of team USA gets 12 points instead of nine. That's a swing for team USA from France. Very interesting move here. Megan Scanlon can swing it all for team USA with this. And she did, you know, like there's layers to a story and significance as well. Like it's all there. You need to make calls and you got like 60 seconds to recognize the storyline and start fucking working. start work. And that's why sometimes when I watch it, you know, I get frustrated. Like oh, there's stories and people are missing, you know, you're not giving me, I'm not buying into this just yet. Make me buy into this. And, and uh, that's part of it as well.
2: And people do. And I, I will, so I have some, some thoughts on this. One, we're going to start with the fact that sometimes on social media, I will watch ridiculous clips of Japanese game shows where I have literally no idea what's happening. The commentary is culturally different in inflection and in that language I don't understand, but I can watch it because it's someone getting smacked off of a platform by a a huge hand and they fall down and it makes me laugh and I'm basically a child. That's not powerlifting. Powerlifting is inherently boring to watch unless you're a powerlifter. And even sometimes as a powerlifter, it's inherently boring to watch. And I'll admit that even as someone is, everyone knows I love everything about lifting, right? So considering that not all things are that, right? Giant hand smacks person, you know, they get yeeted off some cliff. We laugh because we're humans. <laughs> uh, and instead we're watching people exercise. Like I think you, you so accurately put, Ryan. How do we get people into that? And I think it is a very... Pessimistic or cynical view, and simply inaccurate to say, "Well, there's no way it's always going to be not exciting," when we also have these reality shows that exist, of like, like real estate shows, like, "Hey, let's go fix up a kitchen so we can make another five grand on selling this." That is boring AF. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, come on. Like, the only people who actually just inherently would like that was going to be real estate agents or people who fix kitchens, right? Maybe someone who's currently buying a home, but. How do they hook you in on those shows? They tell you the story of this family, what this home means to them, why it was in disrepair, where they're at financially, the, the kids, et cetera. So you get to be interested in the story of the family. So you care about the fact that they got some new countertop, which, oh, my God, shoot me, right? But <laughs> And there's many examples of that, um, you know, like... There's, there's a show apparently that that some of my friends who I was just over at dinner at their house last night really loved where it's this shop with a bunch of different craftspeople and you bring in old things to be refurbished or fixed. And so he's telling me this really cool story, quote unquote, about a bike that got brought in to be fixed. And I was like, I'm not watching that on TV. And he's like, you would like this show. This show has millions of viewers, you know. And it has to do with the story of, like, this bike actually was in the 50s, and it was lost, and it meant this to me when I was a child, and it was at a time, and it was post-World War II, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, whatever. Um, It was manufactured in a place that now doesn't exist. So, like, I think the point is, is that there are stories attached to everything, and the human experience is one that is narrative. And that's something that I think is is undeniable if you if you study history, if you study anything related to people. And also I know this as a writer. Um, so if you think watching people exercise is boring, reading papers about the scientific study of people exercising is a whole nother level. And that's what I do. So when I write for mass, I know that there's a ceiling. I can only make this so exciting, okay. but I will often tell the story in the introduction of the line of research. like We didn't even really understand what lactic acid was in the 80s. We thought it was the cause of fatigue. Now we understand it's actually a metabolic fuel. And this guy George Brooks discovered this with his lactate shuttle theory. And here we are today, and now this new study answers this question of what happens when we actually put lactate on muscle in a petri dish and it makes them grow. Does that actually tell us that Brad Schoenfeld was correct that metabolic stress is a is a leading thing that leads to hypertrophy but it isn't shown in this applied research what's go- like so i do the same thing with my writing about these inherently boring topics because it works and it is the way we conceive of the world and we understand things we understand things through a narrative storyline and the significance doesn't exist unless it's a given especially when not the average Uh, reader or listener or whatever the context knows these things. I have to leverage my understanding of the history of science and the progression of data to tell that story. And Ryan, what is extremely clear to me is that you have a skill set here. You're a powerlifting fan. You have an encyclopedic knowledge of this stuff. Like when Jess pulled the 261.5 that was the heaviest deadlift uh, in in women's powerlifting period in the IPF, I knew what it meant for her. So I was excited. But I actually didn't know that there was no 84 plus or 84 that hadn't pulled that until you guys said it on stream. And I was like, oh shit, you know? So that's me, the person who coached the person who is a powerlifter, who's been involved in powerlifting since 2005. I didn't know that. And I think there's a couple things. Is is One, your timing couldn't have been better. I know it wasn't intentional. That's just the serendipitous nature of the world. But you came into this, this role at a time when the sport finally had the growth to where I think these battles could be hyped. Mm. Because in 2012, 2010, 2008, when you go to a meet and you don't even think about who's there, right? You're just going to beat the record books and probably somebody in a different federation, right? You're going on powerliftingwatch.com, right? This is This is my era of, yeah, this is pre- uh, you know, Open IPF or Open Powerlifting, and big shout out to them. Definitely listen to the King of Lists episode where you had Joe Whitley on, who was talking—Joe Whitley, I think—who was talking about that and just how, how, how few people are holding in place something that we take for granted, which we really shouldn't take for granted. That's awesome. So anyway, pre-Open Powerlifting, pre-2015 Powerlifting explosion, and I think when you came in, I think it's 2016 Worlds with Colleen. This was the point where now we actually had a competitive enough field of powerlifting that the IPF on its own had these battles. And previously, I mean, some divisions would have them, but they're, now we have battles in every single division, almost. Sometimes the super heavies don't have enough depth because there's just not that many people who are 6'5 and were, were born 15 pounds heavy and, you know, nearly killed their mothers, right? So, <laughs> you know, there's But especially in like the 83s or the 93s or the the 63s, the 57s or some of these kind of well-populated weight classes we had battles. But now 2016, this is the point when powerlifting starts to have these battles. So it was the right time for you to get involved. And I think you have the right skill set because you have all that knowledge to impart upon the listener. And you have the right personality. I can tell you're an external processor. You're extroverted. You get excited about this stuff. It's not at all fake. It's more like you're just molding that passion into the skill that you have. And I think it's apparent. Um, and I definitely noticed the difference, having been on King of Lifts a few times, the way you podcast and the way you converse versus the way that you're on stream. And if there are people saying that you need to be more sterile or have less personality, that's crazy to me because I think you have like far more personality on, on the podcast. I think you do a really good job of not – of you decentering yourself when you're a commentator and really just amplifying and highlighting what's going on and giving meaning and making it – the focus even more on the lifting and the story behind it and in my opinion i've i think you do uh, i think you have the right balance and the last thing i would say is if you doubt that ryan is a fan of powerlifting there are few people who would have their first commentating experience in killeen texas and go yep this is the thing for me this is what i wanted <laughs> I got off the plane, looked out on Colleen and the amazing venue and the experience that the IFPF brought us. I need to do this every year. I can't wait to go to Belarus. I <laughs> dreamed
0: of it as a boy. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Killeen, Belarus. These were the the exotic locations I was getting flooded out to. It was, uh, but um, you're you're. It, it's funny how you were, you were saying, and it's true. Previously, I think the divisions weren't as stacked. Powerlifting wasn't ready yet as well. And in a lot of ways, coming in on the social media side with the IPF and the King of Lifts accounts, taking those over and hyping showdowns of battles. And at the same year, halfway through doing the IPF Worlds, one hand fed the other with um, like I had already hyped or been a part of hyping John Hack Gibbs both on king lists and the ipf world uh the ipf site and like spd was helped doing it etc but we were it helped because one role i was doing helped hype the other so then when i walked on there it was a, like an extension of and to a large extent that's even further now with like sheffield for instance i have people on the podcast i do several mentions on the social media and then when i walk into sheffield it's like a natural progression i'm just continuing storylines that have already been in place so it's like feels natural um and i was gonna say earlier as well you know when we talk about being like a powerlifting nerd of like you know like i'm a powerlifting nerd i know i'm a do a fucking powerlifting fantasy league. You get more, no more nerdy than that, my friends. Like, like tell, tell people in your normal life, you run a powerlifting fantasy league and they'll be like, I oh, fucking, are you jobless? Or what do you? <laughs> you, like how much time do you have to, but anyways, um, it would help with like Rory Lynch and like other people. But anyways, um, it's, it's not enough to just say, Like, for instance, this is a world record squat, but you need to know, like, otherwise, because this is what I see when I see, like, on streams, being a powerlifting nerd and knowing the significance of who's world record, etc., and dropping it in, people, I bet you if I ask a 105, what's a big squat for a 74 or a 66, they won't know. Like you, you, you assume people watch, in in because they're powerlifters. They know they won't know like what's what's a monster deadlift for a sixty-six or a sixty-three kilo woman. They won't necessarily know. They'll know Leo Bava. Do you know all the other people? Help them out. And saying it's a world record, they hear it every session because every session at the world records, it loses its meaning. Mm-hmm. It's my job to know. And give the narrative and storyline and make you understand, why do I give a fuck? Because, yeah, it's heavy. It's all heavy. It's a world record. There are always world records falling. Not enough. And some people come in, and not every session can you do this. But some people come in and and they kind of just do that. And I think to an extent that was happening before, and I was like, that's where I saw the gap where, like, I know these people. I know the stories. I'm going to fucking make you care. And that's one of the biggest is let me make you care. Tune in. And by the time we're deadlifting at the end, I'm going to make you think, holy fuck, Jessica Bittner is about to pull the biggest deadlift we've ever seen in the tightest battle we've ever seen in a world champion versus world champion showdown that we see maybe once every few years. Because Agatha Shitko was the reigning world champion in Equipped and Jessica Bittner was the reigning world champion in the Classic and they're going to clash and settle it right here today. This is special. Now you think it's special, but I need to fucking lay the table for you. You know what I'm saying? And, um, that's the thing is like, put that all there. And if I see streams and people don't, I'm like, there's so much meat on the bone not being said right here, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I can make you care a little more, I bet you, if I'm in that booth. So initially that's one thing I wanted to bring. And it still is one of the big things for me. And I think some people sit down in the booth sometimes and are too interested in being, uh, it, to your point, like I'm not trying to be like being like, I'll be funny here and there if something happens, but it's not about me. But mm-hmm. some people too interested in being that guy mm-hmm. or being whatever, as opposed to step back, tell a story and make the story better
1: mm-hmm.
0: and make me care. And then if something a like quid happens or something, whatever, you could say a joke or whatever, make it funny in the moment, but it doesn't give a fuck if you think I'm funny or whatever. I'm making you buy in right and that's a huge diff that's why i don't want to be podcast guy podcast guy i need you to buy in on me to keep coming back come back next week we got so-and-so come back i'm a wiki oh you i like the way he's funny he tells stories whatever you gotta buy in on me but when i'm on there that's the difference right uh i kind of blend in a little more to the background it's 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 difficult though but you get in that booth and you you know you're like you know it's tough i can I, I, you yeah. drunk with it. Be careful.
1: Ryan, we're picking up what you're throwing down a- a- in a very real way, Eric. When he said, as podcasters, they have to be buying what you're throwing down. They buy from us, Ryan. We have this whole masculinity and crisis tour in 2023. <laughs> we're going to Sheffield. We'll be conducting clinics, seminars, where they could aspire. They're on the pyramid. So life is one big hierarchy. We can all agree upon this, Ryan. I am myself and Eric, we're just co-leaders. Class, something is clasping each other together. And we're top the pyramid. The, the, the absolute constant is that we're up there, they're somewhere down below, and depending upon their monetary contribution will determine where they are on <laughs> said pyramid. They can never be remotely nice. close to the top because it's blinding, almost like Plato's cave analogy. Then when they get too close, they see too much truth and they go almost stark raving mad, or they're never the same person, so they're not of this plane. Nonetheless, Masculinity in crisis. That that's our podcast stuff. Dude, but take I, my money. But I yeah. we will. No, and, we will. Eric, we and will. We're also,
2: we are also soon to launch uh, Elemental Formulations Beta Male Boost. Yeah. Which, if if you buy it, right,
0: regu- identify this problem.
2: See, it's it's a regular problem, no. and there's a simple solution, even on non-workout days. It doesn't actually matter if you work out. Folks, if you don't work out and you take this on a regular basis, at least in the next 30 minutes, you will not be beta. You're never going to permanently be alpha, although you do have a shot if you join our masculinity and crisis tour. But at the very least, you on a day-to-day basis can get that half an hour fleeting feeling of being alpha, which will be suspiciously like being on meth. But nonetheless, (laughs) stocks are running low, scarcity, scarcity, buy now. Eric, fuck oh, guys!
0: Man, you know what? This podcast is brought to you by testosterone.
1: By, That's by right, raw, unfiltered testosterone. I was going to say, filters. I want you. So, Eric, he's been doing such a great job explaining yeah. the beat behind the curtain. I want you, the Iron Curtain on Iron Culture. I'm going to want you to hype up, give us a five minute Sizzla ride for Sheffield yeah. to really frame it for everyone. But I find it, I find it truly remarkable, Eric where he your first commentary gig was 2016 Colleen. it took you two years to decide hey i want to lift so you started lifting in 2018 did not miss a beat (laughs) knew all the lifts like that's that's crazy like i know i larp as a lifter so i'm not actually a lifter i'm actually role playing a game that necessitates that i lift so i understand that um i will say the missing component eric i love what you added on top of what ryan was saying you know the art of commentary and what you said ryan And I think the underrated component that people don't understand, and what you said, Eric, about not centering yourself, is that while Ryan is the avatar of experiencing what is going on, he helps you process it, he helps you feel those emotions, he contextualizes what you're seeing, it's not the Ryan show. So you're the vehicle to the destination, not the destination, and you understand intuitively what that difference is, and I just, like, you know, I'm a fan. Eric's a fan. We get it. Like, we watch a lot of feeds. And so I think for other people that may or may not, you know, depending upon what they watch and what sport they enjoy, uh, we really enjoy what you're doing. So I want for you, uh, Ryan, if you can then— give maybe just five minutes before I kick it back over to Eric about Sheffield because we've spoken about it and Eric's fantastic. We'll go over the numbers and lifts and we're setting it up and we know, and there's also, you know, there's a personal bias where like for Eric, Jess is uh, his uh, uh, client. Uh, She's a friend of mine. So I'm emotionally invested in that. Then with Ben, with Leah and like Taylor Atwood, can you just frame Sheffield five minutes uh, for everyone that, let's assume, actually, Ryan, you had two minutes for Colleen. You have five to eight minutes for Sheffield. Assume that, because the call is far and wide, far reaching. I'd assume like 70% are aware of powerlifting and know, like, you know, Sheffield roughly, but 30% don't. And there's varying levels of their understanding. Let's start at the bottom that they don't really know Sheffield or powerlifting. Five to eight minute spiel, what it is, its significance, and some of the battles uh that people could look forward to. And then I'm kicking it back over to Eric after.
0: Okay. Well, listen. Um Obviously, the the World Championships takes the best lifters from all over the world, and they all clash for that world title. Sheffield is going to take it even a step further. This is like the all-star game for powerlifting, but it is the biggest prize we've ever seen, at least currently, and I think possibly historically in the sport period, um, which has got everybody's attention. SPD, you know, been the backbone of powerlifting for many years now is, is forking over this and the amount of money they're putting into this project. I mean, this is going to take powerlifting to the next level. And the, the best way to have gotten into Sheffield was to win the world championships and become within 95% of the world record. We're talking the elite of the elite getting the immediate invite. After that, we had other different qualifiers in terms of wild card selections. Now, let's talk about some of these selections. You know now the prize is the biggest prize in powerlifting by possibly the biggest company in powerlifting getting behind this and the people that they're bringing in, and they're bringing in myself for the commentary, as well as Joe Whiteley, the aforementioned from the IPF World Championship. So the viewership and the amount of money and budget they're putting in is like nothing we've ever seen. We're expecting very high quality in terms of production. Now the clashes that they had signed lined up because of these wild cards. I can tell you right now that session at the last world championships with the 93 kilo clash in the 76s, the 93 kilo men and the 76 kilo women in all my years of commentating in all the sessions I've commentated. And some of these world championships are 12 days long, three sessions a day, several world championships, juniors open. That was the best session I've ever commentated in all my career. And I mean, from Jessica Bittner and Agatha Shitko, right down to the very last deadlift, to the four-way battle in the 93s, right down to the very last deadlift. And I mean, you miss one lift, somebody else comes back. The swinging and tide of momentum that we saw in those sessions... SPD decided with those wild cards, we're going to relive those sessions. And this is guaranteed fireworks. And that's the thing with sports. You never know how it's going to turn out. You could bring in all the best lifters, but if is it head-to-head or do you have to use a calculator? No, these are head-to-head battles. On top of that, redoing the 57-kilo clash between Joy Namani and Jad Jacob. They's clashed in half a kilo, separated these ladies once again down to the last deadlift. Four months later, Jad Jacob rallies back, takes the world record from Joey Nemani half a kilo, still separating these ladies, and they have unfinished business. So they're going to finish at Sheffield. Um, and then you're talking about Taylor Atwood, who is the greatest powerlifter. He put on the greatest performance we ever seen in powerlifting. And when his career is over, he might be the greatest powerlifter that had lived at least in our era in terms of the IPF Classic division. And Taylor Atwood, in his prime, how do you say no to that? Well, let's throw on Jesus Alavarez. Jesus Alavarez is the super heavyweight apex predator in powerlifting. He's in the tested, but he's gunning for the untested world record. He might put forth the biggest, most significant powerlifting performance you're ever going to see in history if, in the tested, he takes the untested world record. Oh, and by the way, he might defeat Taylor Atwood and take the trifecta. I mean, how are you going to miss this historical event when you got Taylor Atwood and Jesus Oliveres, who might put forth the biggest performance you've ever seen in the sport, as well as these direct head-to-head clashes, like I just said, and the returning best lifter in Turbo Tiff from the IPF Worlds, as well as two-time best lifter, Amanda Lawrence. And Amanda Lawrence at the World Championships was gunning for a three-time best lifter at a world championship she would have been the first ever to do so but turbo tiff said i don't think so and upset her and took the title we got unfinished business there as well oh by the way joey Amani. oh by the way chandler bab and leah Bavois, who has world records in the 63 and 69 and is a queen in both divisions and chandler bab who is the reigning world champion in 69 and they have unsettled business as well you can't miss it i mean this is this is this is as stacked as they get what do you like do you like world records do you like significant performances that you can't miss or do you like head-to-head showdowns that you don't know right down to the very last deadlift we got all of those several of them you know not just one or two it's guaranteed smushed into one day you've never seen anything like this Uh, anybody who wants to tell me a roster as good as this or showdowns direct head to head as good as this or the significance in terms of records on a fall i'll wait i'll humor it and there might be some clause but it'll be very very difficult in one day to do
2: how do you miss that
1: i'm sold not only am i sold i'm sold all the way and if agriculture had any money whatsoever to our entity we would be willing to invest in this uh, we don't, so we could just give the moral support and the collaboration, which is happening right now. And, uh, you know, I will say both uh, myself and Eric, as Iron Enthusiasts, we all have the same common interest here, which is making the sport of thing more uh, popular. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens as a result of Sheffield. The monetary incentives are the immediate upfront things. But along with that monetary compensation comes an increased level of potentially com- you know, competition, uh, viewership of people talking about it, prestige that's then associated with it, that some people like Amanda Lawrence, I remember in her promo with SBD, she regards this, you know, there's a world chip and now this is one tier above it. So it's creating a whole new category where it's almost like if there's a yearly, you know, world games, and then there's the Olympics every four years or what have you, it kind of has that prestige. So there's a, there's a lot of different things coming together. And I think, you know, well, some people may or may not agree, you know, not with Sheffield, but all things as a whole, fair enough, that people can agree by and large that it is good for the sport to put on things like this and that for things like this to be successful so i think it's very cool orion like i said started lifting in 2018 started commentary in 2016 (laughs) i've seen photos of you bro you look like a hunk okay like jess i I will say i will say this okay (laughs) we put the capital h next to you you deserve the hunk uh and i will say i saw the jess you're you're a brave man to pose in front of jess I had Still a do. I, I did a video with her the construction arms, And I felt good. Like I held my own, like I, I will say this what's amazing about Jess very quickly. Not that she ever makes herself appear less. She's always she always said like I'm five seven. And now she's a truthfully where she's like five seven and a half. But like Jess is stacked where we're around like yeah. the samest weight. I got like two inches on her upper body, sure, but like that lower body, like I, we were both in George together, and I could say it was cold, but my thighs did not look like her thighs. So for you to openly invites at pose down. Wait, let me say something.
0: Let me say something. All right. Well, first off, let's talk about this cuz this thing is fucking haunted me. But it's, <laughs> it's got its own. It. I it was 2019 Worlds and um I'm just mobbing around the venue like I do and I've seen Jess and like I'd seen Jess like, since 2016 when she first came in as a junior. So, she's warming up, okay? not for nothing i'm wearing a baggy hoodie around with whatever i don't think that nothing i'm wearing a hoodie it's black it's that's it very slimmy qualities yep. to yep. that tone right so i'm like jess let's take a picture somebody's somebody grabs the camera and takes a picture now jess is rocking a tank top all right jess knows the angles and too the girl, girl's pumping like some bench getting the blood flowing and when we take the picture i'm doing one of these like you know what I be mean? Like smiling, hat backwards, hoodie, throwing up a peace sign. And Jess in the tank top, low key on the other side, and I didn't see it, was flexing her arm, fist clenched, bicep going, and had her fucking wrist wrap stayed on. Who yep. fucking you? Who keeps a wrist wrap on, playboy? She knows what she's doing. Oh, and she And when does. I posted that, I wasn't thinking twice. I'm like, Look, this is me and Jess, whatever the world. And the amount of comments I got about, damn, you got mugged. They're like, oh, shit. I'm like, really? And I looked at the picture. I'm like, oh, shit, I did. Like, I was just totally walked into it. And I'm like, I, and people were like, bro, she kept her fucking wrist wrap on? That's disrespectful disrespectful <laughs> <laughs> because her wrist wrap is like the ultimate warrior when he had those things around <laughs> him to make his biceps tiny. you know what i mean He's I like, love she it. knew what she's she knew what she's doing bro And her her hand on the other side i didn't see it was like she was smiling so i just thought we're just like smiling she was like fucking fist clenching she was she wanted the muscles popping tank top rock and everything i'm like jess did you were you trying to away go be? She's oh yeah, no, I know <laughs> what I'm doing. You ask for a pick, you're gonna get what well, you're gonna get more than you wanted for. I'm like shit. So then that happened, and I'm like, all right, whatever it is, what it is, like whatever. So this followed me all through 2020. COVID took away our freaking world championships. 2021 rolls around, and like people like you go to fucking have another showdown with Jess, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, what the. Fuck, this blew up too big. But all right, two years in the making, we have a fucking bodybuilding show? I'm a commentator. Here we go. <laughs> Eric's like, yeah, yeah, no. We, we, oh yeah, it's going to happen. So then um, I'm there and Pete from SBD is there. And Jess is like, e-. she waited. I'm commentating. It's a 12-hour, or sorry, a 12-day world championships. I had juniors, masters. By the time Jess is done, I had been like partying and eating. I was ready when i walked in i'm not I got time to lift weights i got time to drink uh-huh. yeah. well, well, we're having fun i got time to have some beers with the boys afterwards i, mean, I got time to weight lift by the time you're 12 days deep and jess is like fucking jack she's competing she just won the world championships She's shreddies all right and then she looks at me and i fucking seen it coming and i'm like no and she says We're going to take some pictures. We're going to do our pose down. And I'm like, I'm like, Jess, I didn't even fucking shave my chest today, bro. I didn't even get, I'm not tanned. And you're, you're jacked up and I've been drinking and eating like an idiot. I'm like, no. And then Pete Spence was there. He's like, I will take pictures. We're going to do this. And I'm like, fuck, man, I don't want this smoke. So we go over to the side and the smartest fucking thing I ever did, fellas. Fucking hand Pete Spence my phone. I said, fine, let's do this. And I handed him my phone. Nice. Acted like I didn't want it. acting like I didn't want it. I gave him my phone. I mean, here it is. It's open. Fucking take the pictures. Let's do this. Take my fucking shirt off And we rock and roll. And I probably got my ass handed to me. Then he gave me back my phone. I like, threw it into the toilet. Guys, this is fucking 3D chess playboy. <laughs> I got the pictures. <laughs> I got all the
2: pictures. Let <laughs> me go
0: back to the time, and it dawns on Pete and Jess. Oh shit. Who's got the pictures? Ryan's got the pictures. Yeah, I got the pictures. And I fucking... And when it was like, release the pictures, release the pictures. And I'm like, I'll fucking release them when I'm ready to release them. And it's building up. And that's when I did that. Uh, Eric, you see, when I did the Photoshop, got fucking like Ronnie Coleman's body my head. <laughs> Butterbean's body and Jess's head. And I'm like, look, at I think she looks amazing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk... I'm going to have to refer to Eric, who is a nutrition coach as well. Like maybe... A little bit of sodium, little, you know, I don't know, retaining a little bit of water. I thought she looked great, but clearly, your boy took the W in that one. And it was, a, it is what it is, man. And then ever since, everybody's like, that's fucking, people did like a a things to do, like bingo thing, like a squat mean deadlift page. Uh, and they put one of one of the squares is like fucking out angle Ryan in a picture for the bullshit <laughs> shot. The <laughs> Damn dude mm. everybody was all over me it's become a thing like fuck i'm taking l's all over the place these are like the most jack people in the world showing up and i'm like all right
1: eric let's do eric. this eric so ryan thank you for that and sharing your side of the story Eric, can you explain what the masculinity in crisis tour is and why Ryan Absolutely. is the perfect candidate to attend? Because it sounds like there's a lot of subterfuge going on here. You probably read uh, Machiavelli's The Prince. It sounds like where you're trying through your own scheming techniques emerge on top. We prefer to rule with absolute power. So, Eric, please, what is it? it what is it, my it's friend? An,
2: it's an issue of confidence. Um <laughs> when you woke up that morning and you looked in the mirror and you didn't see a man looking back in your eyes Ryan that was when you lost Yep. not when Jess got next to you and flexed um and this is something that that can be solved in one of two ways temporarily with beta boost our pre-workout <laughs> coming out soon but more permanently with the masculine <laughs> and crisis tour the tickets are only 9.999999 uh If you're asking where the decimal point is, my answer is what decimal point? Um, And uh, all I gotta say is is,
0: you don't get the point. (laughs) Exactly.
2: You can't handle the point. Um, And you know, on on a separate topic altogether, is let me just say seriously, I never get caught sleeping. You know, you when you come (laughs) online for the first time, you put out your best content because that is your 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 entrance. Because that's a French word. Uh, to, to to the world. So when I got on Instagram, five years too late because I'm a curmudgeon in 2016, um, the first seven or eight posts I made were how to win the angle game and this is yep. not a joke. This is hundred percent serious. People are thinking, oh Eric Helms on Instagram. <laughs> Let me see what pub media like what what, what, what pubMed post he has or, or maybe he's gonna help us understand science. No, no, I help you to use your better side. How to get on the side of the camera to where your arm is actually slightly off-camera. Where does your arm end? Nobody knows. It could go on forever, right? <laughs> right? I'm out angling uh, animals at the zoo. I'm out angling my wife. I am taking people bigger than me and putting them in positions where they cannot win, forcing them to the inside of a group picture while I'm on the outside. Left side is the best side. There's things to learn. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, uh, if I lose in a pose down... It's because both people were prepared. Because most of the time, I'm throwing the soccer punch. Um, <laughs> I, I lost at a pose down to Natalie Hansen at the European Powerlifting uh, Conference in, in 2017. Yes. And we both hit a front double bicep on camera. It was a legitimate competition. Um, but I tell you what, uh, I didn't get snuck. You know what? I, yeah. I, that was just, you know, two, two, two giants going head to head and and, and may, may, may the best giant be taller. And uh, But in the future... If, if Natalie's looking the wrong way and I'm ready, I'm mm-hmm. getting smashed on. I'll tell you what. You Ryan, know what I, mean?
0: I mean, I see now why why Jess, obviously like you're her coach and fucking it's starting to make a little sense here. She's yeah. a little too confident. When she went prepared. She was, prepared. That's she was right. prepped. She was prepped, man. No, Thank God I pulled the old sneaky, Use my phone. That's not going to happen twice, though, is yeah. it? Yeah.
2: The, the, the yeah they they won't let you use your phone next time because the, the Butterbean <laughs> versus ronnie coleman comparison was uh was was a, was a one-time trick <laughs> was a one-time. look
1: right it bought me a year it did it's it's i'm letting you know this right now like ryan geez this is mid-february you have approximately five weeks my friend because spoiler, sheffield's happening we're all going to be there Bye-bye. likely there's going to be a photo um Now, there's a few different things that you can do in order to win this war. I'll share a very short story with you before we get back to the actual topic about your ascent here, commentary as a whole, where it was, where it is, and most importantly, maybe where it can be. Um, But I've shared this story with Eric first. I have to give a shout out to my boy, Eric, because when we meet up again at Sheffield, ooh, it's been too long, Eric did teach me some posing. It did make a dramatic difference because I don't know what I'm doing um and i will say this i do a shoe if people come up to me so someone's you know, like another like influencer in quotations they always want to play the angle game eric like okay okay i'm uh house slytherin now eric taught me well i'm here to cut you i got this but here's a story for you ryan you would enjoy i won't say this person's name all i'll say i'm not surprised this person tried this but my boy house who's my videographer at the time eric knows him this is, I think literally this is when else decided to get out of the fitness game. Cause he said, this is a bridge too far. He likes MMA. He likes wrestling and he's like in wrestling and that's not an insult, but I mean in wrestling their storylines and so forth, but at least they're orchestrated so that they make sense and they're intriguing and they're almost like Shakespearean in uh, the tragedies and comedies. Okay, whatever. Uh, but in this fitness industry, it's too upfront and too cringe where I was uh, set to film a video with this person. We had done a workout. We sit on a bench, Ryan. And we're sitting on the bench. I'm ready to film. I'm one of those guys, one of the exceptions uh, with me on YouTube. Typically, I won't get like a pump or flex or the angles. Like all those things to orchestrate how I look. I will, but I'll let you know. Like it's not an always thing. So you'll see a wide variety of my shape, right? Either like no pump, no lighting, off-season, a little softer, leaner, all that stuff, right? Cool. So this person, I think we're just going to sit down. We had a great like lifting session, more strength focus. So I sit down. And Ouse is the one that alerts me because I'm just ready to talk. We sit down on the bench, and he scoots his booty up about 12 inches in front of mine. So he's now—the camera's only two feet away. So he's about 30%, therefore, closer to the camera. I didn't notice this. And then Ouse says—and Ouse says this because Ouse is my boy. He's just like—he's thinking about, like, the framing. He's an artist. And he's like, now it's off because someone's in the foreground and someone's in the background. So he's not— He's not aware of like the angle game. He's just thinking image composition, folks. And so he says, "Person, you need to move back." So the person like pretends he like, "Oh, uh, okay." Like moves back. I shit you not. Else keeps adjusting because he's getting the frame set up. And it happened once. It happened three times until else called them out on it. And I will never forget this. But the third time, which is incredible, I wish I was making this up. And this, folks, this is what happens. At the You want to understand why Eric and myself, were our own island, okay? We've separated ourselves into our own island here on Iron Culture. The last time to try and make it look more nondescript, because he got caught scooching, he goes, oh, to yawn. He stands up, and then he sits back down, and he does the exact same thing. What so the now, fuck? so two times he was just told, and like the second time, he's like, oh, right, no, I didn't know. The third time, right before, Else said, "Guys, are you ready? Uh, five, four, yawns comes up, sits down. We can interview. Else, this is a real story that happened." And else just gets irritated because else is a professional. He just wants to film this. He's like, "What the fuck, man? Like, what's going on here?" And then the guy, I said, "You can't blame me for wanting to get the angle." And I was like, "Dude, <laughs> we're here to film an informative video, like." I'll let you, and that's a routinely that I do a joke now where if I'll take photos because guys like they love it, they want to get the dunk right. Um, so I'll take a photo and I'll go like this when I will pose next. One. I don't care. Like if you want the dub that bad. You get it. Now, with Jess, it's more amusing, I think, Ryan, because a lot of men are uncomfortable, not you, and I'm being serious for a second here, and there's kind of like an associated masculinity that people, like, men will have with it, and so they'll try and dunk on her. So it's almost like a defense mechanism on her part to assert herself, like, no, I really am this big, and you're just really that small. So I think that's incredible on her end. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, first off, that guy's name was Taylor Atwood from the show. For, <laughs> <didn't
1: I? laughs>
0: That's awesome that you shared that. Put that <laughs> no. I'll share it myself. Um but yeah, if you when you meet um when you meet Jessica Bittner in real life for the first time, people legit are like, What the fuck? Like like I remember uh it was Kristen Dunsmore, it's two thousand nineteen worlds, and I remember Kristen Dunsmore first sh- sh- uh meeting her in Like, she looked a little flabbergasted or whatever, and she was like, I have never felt more like a fat piece of shit in my life (laughs) than when I met fucking Jessica Bittner. Like, it is, is, she's like, like you, literally, it is a humbling thing. Um, There was, like, you think you're an A-level until you meet some freaks at the world championships and realize, I think Gavin Aiden said it best when he's like, let's find out who's the most extreme outlier of all the extreme outliers. You know, where it's like, yeah, you guys are extreme. And Gavin Aiden, holy fuck, try out angling that guy. That guy is a fucking walking fridge. It is crazy.
2: Last story. And then, and then, and then we we can, we can talk about maybe the future of powerlifting. So if I go into most general population, even, even like general population lifting circles, I'm generally regarded as, as like, a decently muscular and decently strong guy you know yep. we know the truth because we work with elite level athletes or commentate them that i am solid you know like like middle of the pack when it comes to comp- competitors right um i have never been surrounded by so many people who make me feel like i actually have like negative strength like gravity gets gets gets, gets lighter just around me so i can walk around uh, then when I went to uh, the European Powerlifting Conference in, it was either 2017 or 2018. Um, and I'm hanging out with all the people who are invited. So we took this picture and I shit you not, it looked like like a Ninja Turtle orgy. We had...
0: <laughs> we had to wait with the words. Do you
2: comment? Yes. Thing? You wait for this. It was Screamer. Bryce Lewis and Ellis McClain standing next to each other. And we forced them to take the three back seats in the car yeah. of this small European like compact vehicle and watch them all get crammed together. And it it literally looked like Ninja Turtles. It was hilarious. And what, what blew my mind though was that both Ellis McLean and Bryce looked a little smaller next to Screamer, because Screamer is just so wide. Like it looks like if if he died and, and like the uh, aliens came here a thousand years in the future and they found his rib cage, <laughs> they would think he was perhaps a different species. Like, like, it's like a, manual. a boat, you know, what is going on here? Um, How this
0: species, it walked the earth at one point and it was, uh, <laughs> they started investigating. How tall are these guys? Cause I like, they're around five, five six. Five, five, six.
2: Yep. Yes. All of them. That's a chess way... joke. And there, and it was, it was a, it was a, you know, two one hundred fives and a ninety three, and I'm walking around at ninety three, and I'm six foot, you know, like I'm six feet tall, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, and and you know, the funny thing is, is uh, there's levels to it as well. Like, so Mike T is the same height as me, and I, we're, we're buddies, and we're, you know, we're both presenting, and we're training and and, and talking about that stuff. Mike T does look like. Not small next to these guys because he's taller than them and he's Mike T. He's a big dude. Um, but he looks narrower. And then there's me next to Mike T. And, you know, I'm like, like I said, I'm like 90, I'm, I'm like 205, right? And I was talking to Mike and he's like, I think the last time I was under 200 pounds, I was a freshman in high school. And I was like, all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was a child.
2: Exactly. He's, and he's, he's
0: like, 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 well, I'm a. Fucking grown-ass man, and I don't know how to take this. I'm, yeah. I'm on a 200, you know.
2: And I'm like, we're the same height, and we both lift weights. Yeah, there is something different between us. And I put my my hand around my my wrist, and I can <laughs> make my, you know, like, my fingers overlap. And then I go around Mike T's wrist, and they're, like, at least two inches apart. You know, it's, it's <laughs> just...
0: your wrist like a father, you'd yeah. be like a child, and you couldn't free yourself. 100%. It's yeah. fucking humbling.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you can tell some people... Just a different bone structure, just built for the sport. And uh, yeah, I do all right for myself. But there's there's certain company you can keep, which will make mm. you feel like everyone feels when they're on social media, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say, Eric, there's only one body in that, the plethora of bodies you just listed that throw money at. And that's all that's important to me. And it, I am, it ends with... I
0: Emmanuel?
1: Yes, yeah, it's right.
0: Uh, screamer? Or
1: I'm it? not into the niche physiques. I'm into that statuesque just like the the guy that did pose like Zane. I was actually what Eric didn't know, I was watching from afar. It was Hawaii, right? Was it not? It was in Hawaii, right? was it it was in Hawaii when I took the yeah, Zane pictures, what, yeah. Yeah. And the island was Eric I'm not going to tell you. No, the island <laughs> was No, right, but we were there. Right it was there. Oahu. Oahu. Did you, yeah. Did you
0: purposely leave your boy hanging? I no, I I love do that to my boys too. When they line you up and you're like <laughs>
1: Nope. <laughs> That's sure what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, that was that was uh, that was leg on my end is Oahu. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it was yeah, Oahu. Yeah. If you saw me freeze, that's what that was. Um okay. Ryan, <laughs> yeah. now getting Fair. to the topic here to kind of come full circle because you were there and this is this is a very interesting podcast for me because there was an evolution, where, which I kind of knew, but you really highlighted what happened when it came to the commentary, and thus the presentation apparel thing, which is how people digest it at the highest level, and people might be unaware of its impact, therefore, in their willingness to participate, because it is indeed then a spectacle, it's an event, and all those sorts of things. There's excitement surrounding it. We all intuitively understand it. Um, talk to me then, uh, my friend, what you want to see. So we're present day, we're talking Sheffield, we're all going to be there, and you've seen The arc over the last, let's say, 2016, uh, where you did Clean, everyone wants to go to Clean, it's fantastic, so seven years ago, to now the present, the future, what do you think it holds, what would you like to see, what does it need to do, which is, like, this is the million dollar question, because everyone Mm. wants powerlifting to be bigger, both in terms of numbers again, growth, but then also money, uh, like company sponsoring it, but what does it need to do, where is it going, and where do you see it going?
0: this is an excellent question okay so first off the split with the usapl and ipf um in terms of fracturing our talent was tough you know it we are not already we're relatively niche compared to like baseball basketball and in soccer and whatnot like they have leagues that feeder league up to the big ones um we don't you know we're we're too niche to start fracturing like that that hurt a little mm. bit now we're yep. big enough we still have like good showdowns on both ends but how much more healthy would we be if we're together it is what it is in terms of that but some of the things are going to help us um so i'm seeing first of all the usapl then we'll go over the ipf on the usapl side they're experimenting you know the pro series they're trying to get some things going here maybe we can get a circuit going um you know and, and they're staying fluid they're making changes as they go and they can continue so to make changes but they're giving people an avenue it's like a point system you know and and over the course of a little see how that develops people are starting to make a little bit of money they're branching out into other markets uh South Korea was a surprise to me that it would break off like that and jump off like that that's more indicative of the IPF affiliate um really dropping the ball in South Korea and then mm. and, and opening a way up Keenan Lee who has potential to you know be on the podium for best lifter at ipf worlds would have been an ipf lifter had this not happened in south korea and he chose to go the usapl route uh they got a massive youtuber who has like millions of people subscribed who streamed on his youtube channel and it got millions of views not initially live but now so Certain things opened up on the USAPL side. You couldn't have foreseen this, but um, I don't know if that's a bit misleading on what they can anticipate if they're going into all these other different nations. I'm not anticipating every nation's going to be as a success like that, but that was a success. And it was also not the USAPL sending Ashton, sending Russ. It was that Fed, that new Fed Mm. bringing over Joey Flex and Russ, bringing over Ashton. But... If they can, if other nations are as ambitious, have stars like Keenan Lee, who could easily be the best lifter in in USEPL, or who have massive social media YouTubers that can just run the stream. And then if someone who's running the Fed, they'll be like, I will pay and bring over stars. Like that's probably asking a lot for every single nation, but it, you could see how. That market in in South Korea is exploded. So let's see what happens with some of this. If nothing else, USCPL said we're open for businesses, relatively easy to work with us, I believe, on the surface level. I have no behind-the-hand knowledge on that. Let's see what happens on that. Interested, but I'm not looking at that like I expect uh, USCPL UK to run the same. Like fucking USCPL Canada will be the exact same as that. Probably not. But Let's see. It was interesting anyways. Let's let's hop over to the IPF side. So you got the Pro Series, which is interesting. And uh, it's very early days to tell. And um, there's a lot of fluidity. And, and uh, you know, so it will start establishing more and more. And then we have the expansion. So that's interesting. Let's go over to the IPF side. The IPF, um, we know their mandate is to mo- move more towards IOC recognition and moving in that lane. But the IPF is pushing hard. And there's a couple things here that's on motion. We got onto Eurosport. On the strength of being an IOC-recognized sport, uh, because it's just immediate credibility. Eurosport can have up to 8 million people viewing it. That's pretty big. In terms of the net that you're going to cast and to collect potential talent, um, I mean, this is how people find it. You have to find the sport some way. 8 million people tune in, and it doesn't matter if it's just highlights. If you're a gym-goer and you're a man-woman around that age, you're like, oh, shit. And then... I'm telling the stories I'm telling on the stream because I'm my voice was also in the Eurosport, right? Or whoever's telling the stories, like we had said, that's your casting call. Okay, we all found powerlifting somehow. That was a very big move. Let's get on to Eurosport. On top of that, there's the European Games, uh, the Asian Games. I'm not talking European Championship, powerlifting. I'm talking the games, sprinting, javelin, etc., IPF is moving to go into those multi-sport events like that. And that's also going to give us more exposure. Massive sponsors, people seeing it and being a part of it. And then the uh, World Games, which is now equipped. You guys notice how big of a boom powerlifting had when we went raw? The World Games is about to go raw next time. So what the...
2: That's a big deal. I did not know that.
0: What happens if you have Jesus Oliveris? Taylor Atwood, Jessica Bittner, whoever, Carlina, if it's Carlina's time by then, whatever, you know, Gavin Aiden and those people at the World Games. And if you've ever seen anybody wants to know how big the World Games are, take a look at their opening ceremonies. It's literally in a stadium like it would be the Olympics with all the different nations, all the different athletes. Um, It's on, you know, all the TV deals they have, and major sponsorships, athletic compounds, the whole nine is the World Games. Let us now put our best foot forward, sorry. But we know what RAW can do. We know what the Classic Division can do. Even the hardcore equipped knows what happens when we went RAW. The IPF, boom, exploded. Let's see what happens when we get into the world games. Watch us explode those numbers. Um, And I think that's going to be a major step forward. If not, like when we start getting into the Commonwealth Games, the Pan Am Games, the Asian Games, European Games, if not the Olympics, the, the University World Games, all of those massive, with all these other sports. Now universities around the world have a powerlifting program. And all of a sudden, and this is also why, by the way, you know, like USAPL trying to move into certain nations. But when you're IOC recognized and you're in those actual multi-sport events, the government funds your federation. Good luck getting into France and Sweden. Good luck with that USAPL affiliate. That's the tough jump. That's the tough one. And those are the doors that opened up when you start having, you know, you're a member of the IOC and you're included in these multi-sport games, now government funding and sponsorships that ordinarily wouldn't be involved you don't, you're not going to, I'm talking SBDS of the world that are powerlifting focused, but other sponsors. So that's where certain doors can open and we can see both. USBL can move in one direction and, and maximize on that end. And IPF can move in the other. And maybe if you're being optimistic and positive, maybe this split allows us to cover more ground and, and exercise and see what happens. But um, I'm thinking in the future... It looks like pacing-wise, we're going to just keep being included in more and more multi-sport games. And I think the World Games Going Raw is a massive boost for us as a sport in whole. And um, I know people who roll their eyes get upset when you start talking about the inclusion into the Olympics. Let me tell you something, my friends. Um, I'm big into like an MMA fan, etc. I follow Sambo and kickboxing. All right? And... Their, if you look into their f- world body organization, they're, they would die for our membership and our world championships, what it looks like, our structure, our sponsorships, our live stream, our social media presence. Go ahead and tell me. The top stars in Sambo or find me reference to the social media platforms following them, the podcasts that follow the Sambo World Championships, the preview shows, the recaps, the major sponsors. There is none. OK, and if you go and look at the World Championships of Sambo, it's nothing like the IPF Worlds and they are going into the Olympics. Yes, yes, they are. And sambo is not. D- tell me how many of your friends fucking do sambo. Now tell me how many of your friends go to the gym and powerlift. When people tell me we're never going to get in, if it's all about money, eyeballs, sponsorships, we are a very strong candidate. Pun intended. So it can, I, I I don't I don't get the whole we're never going to get into the Olympics. Um, if we want to talk about it, is it good, is it bad, etc., that's fine, that's fine. But I'm just saying for the IPF to say this is this is our goal. It's not as laughable as people say. And when you look at some of the sports that are getting in, they don't have nearly the structure, nearly the amount of federation, nearly the amount of participation, nearly the amount of infrastructure in terms of podcasts and all the rest of it, and social media and stars, et cetera. Look what we fucking done. Look at look at people like Russell Lurie and shit on their own, huh? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we could do it. Maybe not right away. It's going to take some time, but it can happen. So let's see. Let's see. This is the possibilities with the future. Or if we never make the Olympics, can we just make all these other multi-sport championships and get government funding all over the world so powerlifting is actually in universities and people get scholarships all over the world um in all these different nations that's fucking awesome too that's and 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 you want to you want to grow in asia get in the asian games and have these nations that that china for real getting behind you that's what it's going to take probably yeah, a nation like Asia, they don't really give a fuck. USAPLE, China is going to have a hard time. But if you're a part of the IOC and you're part of the Asian Games, and they might get behind that with government funding, the whole nine. So even that's cool too. We'll, we'll grow as a sport like that too. Even if we don't make it the Olympics, these other things I said are very, very big. We'll see.
2: I think that's a very realistic take, and and I think even even pessimistically, anyone can tell the sport's growing. Um, it's interesting phase. I don't know if we're growing in terms of participation right now, like we were in 2015, 2016, Uh Omar, you and I have talked about this, Uh but I think now we're starting to see what it looks like once you've had a boost in participation and some of those competitors have been around for a while. And they brought with them the the rest of the collective involvement. The uh, you know when you get more athletes, you, therefore you get more spectators, you get more coaches, you get more people involved in refereeing and being interested, and it creates a uh, market for podcasts, et cetera. So, and I think that takes time. Um, one thing I've definitely noticed is that I feel like in the last five or six years, most of the powerlifters who are very popular are quite young. You know, there's um, there's a lot of like, and then that's changing. But I think that you, you need that to actually change a little bit because a lot of people, unfortunately, are dropping out of powerlifting early. Um, and I think one thing that is maybe a potential negative side, side effect of the growth and focusing on these head-to-head battles is there's maybe a little less focus on traditional like values and powerlifting, traditional family values and powerlifting. No, no, I'm I'm kidding. But the traditional values of like, hey, it's you versus you. It's just building your biggest total. You know, you cheer from someone on the platform whether they're trying to squat the bar or they're trying to squat 200 kilos, it doesn't matter. Um, Not that that's not there. And I do think that is still at the core of powerlifting. It's just not being emphasized as much because some of the more, uh, I would say, popular sports avenues are actually open now there's these battles there's this young blood there's interest there's records being smashed to degrees that you wouldn't have even guessed even seven years ago you know the the people who were winning one weight class in 2013 or 2014 worlds would struggle to go down a weight class now and maintain their total and be competitive so i understand why that has changed i don't think it's a necessarily a bad thing um, but I do think when it's very externally focused, very uh, focused on on beating someone else and, and, and what is competitive right now and, and social media is involved, I think it amplifies it. I do think that l- probably contributes to a little more burnout and why we're seeing what to me seems like a lot of turnover in the sport. Because um, previously, you know, in a more niche sport, you get involved. The community is very supportive. There's no gatekeeping and everyone's like, "Hey, there's only like 18 of us who powerlift, so we all got to hang out and be together and support one another." And I think now uh, there is this sense of, uh, am, "Am I good enough? Am I am I legitimate?" Uh, I don't necessarily think it's intentional or, or or negative or toxic or anything like that, but I I have noticed, and maybe it's just math. More people get involved, more people burn out, you know. So it it could just be my my eyes are deceiving me, and I don't have hard data on this. But I I I do think now we're starting to see like who's stuck around from the from the <laughs> boom of five, six, seven, eight years ago. And I think when you have a much more dedicated community, uh people who are not just, I got motivated and excited by this because of YouTube, and I did it, and then I burned out and I'm gone. Like those people, I'm not I'm not trying to shit on them, but they're extracting something from powerlifting. They're not necessarily getting involved, participating, and then also giving back. Um and I think once you've been competing in the sport five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, um, you're much more likely to be someone who is contributing and helping the sport grow. And I think that's what we're starting to see now, even if the sport isn't growing in terms of participation, I think there's more people motivated to elevate the sport. And I think, you know, Ryan, I think you're an example of, of, one of them, you know, since you just started lifting in 2018.
0: So. That's right. I'm, 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 getting <laughs> close to that, that Mark. Here's, here's, you hit some good, um, key points there, which is interesting and it's true. Um, <clears throat> like, I think we're previously you could see the numbers being hit. You're like, I could jump in there and be competitive. Now, it's too daunting. So mm-hmm. you're like, I don't, I can't just jump in there and be competitive. So they'll be you'll gatekeep yourself, and then, um, but the, so there's he, here's something, and it's interesting. I wonder if when people like you could see the the swelling of people's followings now, like you wouldn't have a Russell or he in 2015, 16, etc. So while the participation might might not have been growing, for sure, the following of these people is growing. We didn't have stars like that in 2015. That's crazy. That is crazy, talk, Jessica Bittner. I know I got to tell you. It's crazy. Uh, the reach, the podcasts are far bigger now. So while certain things aren't, might not be growing in terms of people, maybe the following is there. They're just not diving themselves because it's, it's a lot more daunting. You're self regulating. I talk to people at the gym like I'm not ready because it, to your point, you can't just jump in anymore. The Russell, he's while you're following him and for entertainment, you're all he's also backing you off because you're like, holy shit, I'm never going to be anywhere close to Russell. But to you, also to your point, do you need that? MMA is absolutely a monstrously huge sport. Who the fuck gets an occasion Duke swings? All of my friends watch it, none of them are MMA fighters. Yeah. Do you need that? Do you need to be? It's, it's, um, you know, it, it's one of those deals where the data isn't necessarily, well, fuck, something's wrong now. If participation slope, maybe, maybe not though. Cause other numbers are still in- increasing. So we don't know for sure. You know, and, and maybe participation slowed because we stagnated with the model we have now. And maybe we've got to do other things like when we start getting inclusion to or like USPL doing what they're doing or IPF continues to open in other markets. Maybe we just haven't infiltrated certain markets to open that up. So we're not sure. It, it's, it's a good question though, because yeah, it's a great conversation in terms of do you want to, do you need more participation or do you need bigger stars? Or, you know, to a, to a certain extent back in 2015, you didn't watch unless you did. Nobody showed up unless you are competing at that specific event. Now people will fly in and buy fucking tickets for Sheffield and people will watch it in, my, in the gym I go to who don't power lift. That would never happen in 2015. So it is like a question of, I don't know. I don't know. But you do need a cycle of talent to keep coming, but maybe we're just going to take more outliers. It's, it's interesting. That's a very interesting conversation. And and we could just hypothesize and see. But yeah.
1: Brian, I think we're going to have to have, uh, Eric and Ryan, a sequel after Sheffield, a post-cap analysis, an Iron Culture King of the Lifts collab yeah. on that. Because I think there's a lot to unpack. And I'll, I'll just share my thoughts very briefly because I think both of you brought up some excellent points. And as the social media influenza, I'll give uh, my two cents which would be the following, that one, Ryan, to your point, I think, because I'm a huge MMA fan, shout out all the way back to the Pride FC uh, days, Pride never yeah. dies. Um, nice. I, do think, I, I do think not just because I'm also an MMA fan, I do think it's more watchable, but that concept that you don't need people to participate in order for them, like to actively do the sport in order for them to watch it, absolutely true. So very interesting. The second point I would say is that what you both brought up the concept of people gatekeeping themselves, really what people are after aren't necessarily the numbers that they want to hit, but the journey and the journey of powerlifting, the hidden narrative truth that people would follow is that they could become stronger than what they perceived themselves capable of. So all of us entered like in 2012, I bring this up, this Jay Rhodes guy, where he dealt with the 500 pounds and had millions of views because that was the standard at the time. The standard was consistently shifting as the years went on. So people were entering this and they are discovering for themselves a power they didn't know that was possible. Well, now seven, eight years later, when we've established, there's so many kids that look like you, they could do this and do so much more. And that timeline of what you need to do in order to achieve A, B, C, D, and be at a certain cohort keeps expanding that journey lengthens so that that individual journey of discovering you have more power than what you had becomes more difficult as the expectations rise uh, so that's the first thing. And I think what will end up happening, therefore, as the you know distribution of lifters and there's always like the outliers, they'll do exceptionally well and make it to nationals and then world games and so forth, is that for most people, it'll probably take on more personal journey. And there's a reason why the second wave, and I bring them up, there's uh, guys on YouTube. So there's a guy called Max Taylor on TikTok. He has millions of followers, right? And on Instagram, he's on Twitch as well. And he likes power building a lot. Like he's being coached by Joey Flex, so on and so forth. There's other guy, Lex Little, where he does it in the gym, the likelihood of them competing, I don't know. I think Lex actually has competed, but their aspirations in terms of them competing at World Games or Nationals, I don't think are there. It's a vehicle for them for content, certainly, but when is it not? And the one thing I would counter... Not to anything that you gents brought up, but I think with money comes other incentives other than the sport itself, which is fine, mm. because then people are being compensated for it, and it's a means to the end. Meaning that Sheffield will open the door for people that won't be necessarily more passionate about powerlifting, but it's the things associated with it. And there's always—so I think one thing we could all agree on, and this was going to be the summation of my point, is that powerlifting as we know it will probably cease to be, in terms of growth— post-Sheffield, and that Sheffield will bring in money, where money then will be another variable to consider, which will be a powerful and, I think, uh, good variable, ultimately. And this is speaking to someone who can be critical of those things in terms of people that are willing to participate, the actual spectacle in terms of the quality of what it is, and the amount of people watching. Uh, and then on the flip side, Ryan, to your point, I think more and more people are still taking up strength training as a means of barbell movements that they choose to do. But how far that goes remains to be seen, whether if it's a temporary journey or more permanent. So I don't see that one-to-one transference from like eight years ago of a guy like Nick Wright, who became incredibly strong. He was on YouTube. He was a bodybuilder. Then he picked up powerlifting. He was coached by Candido for a bit. He ended up squatting 600 pounds. Like, fantastic journey. There's so many guys yeah. like that, that Tim uh, Thibodeau, uh, that that's uh, out in Austin, Texas game day barbell, same idea. I remember he was back in stringer days, all those sorts of things. So it'll be very interesting. I do think we've probably peaked in terms of how the scent of the growth in terms of participants, like let's say the 30% growth. I think that'll slow down. I think secondary markets, and I don't mean any offense when I say this, but it's like rock and roll, you know, it's like cheap trick was incredibly popular in Japan. Live at Budokan is one of the best-selling rock albums of all time in japan but not in north america because secondary markets will lag behind europe as well like france and so on and so forth where they feel the ripple effect they feel the ripple and this it doesn't matter what platform so the hip-hop genre of like the uh, 2000s and so forth so that's what we're seeing in terms of international growth so domestically within uh, you know north america i wonder that remains to be seen and the final thing i would say uh gents is that my personal, like, save your thing, rolling the die, the saving throw, in order to really save powerlifting would it would be to take it back to what it's all about, which is asserting dominance. Um, someone famously said there's no weight classes in the jungle, and I believe that. And as someone yeah. whose father did grow up in the Amazon, and that's a true story, um, yeah. and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. How beautiful would it be if we go to somewhere that's quite tropical and humid, uh, humid beyond anything that you can comprehend, where the very risk of malaria is probably definitely there. And we don't know what the implements that we're lifting, how much they are, but we know there are said implements there. Um, And there'll be no videos, there'll be nothing, but there'll just be tall tales that people tell each other in terms of who won. People enter, people emerge, and the first person to emerge is victorious. And then we just got to kind of word of mouth. And in that way, it spreads and proselytizes to the rest of the people. There's no weight classes in the jungle. People go in, people do something, yeah. people come out. Blood sport, powerlifting that's, edition. That's
0: that's fucking that hits home. Little, that, that you're scratching me where I right now. And I think I, I, I think we would. gotta shoot some emails to SBD while this is yeah. fresh on our minds. Yeah, this and, is the one, uh, and see if they get behind this.
1: Yeah, right. Now, all I can say, it'll be hotter than people I anticipate. I just, wa- just want to say that, though.
2: <laughs> I think we're going to be surprised that maybe the super heavyweights struggle a little more in the jungle than <laughs> yeah. that quote anticipates. See?
1: Yo, See, Eric, this is my point. People say no weight classes, but like, dog, when it's like 45 degrees or let's say 110 degrees, humidity at 100%, mosquitoes just like smacking you in the face. Is the super heavy really going to be the king or queen of the jungle?
2: I don't know. It's Mid, the saying might change from only the strong survive <laughs> to only the sixty-six kilo who has a decent <laughs> cardiovascular engine survives. <laughs> no. That's right. Man, we
0: literally ate some of the super heavies for because <laughs> we're there for weeks. You know, oh. you, you doesn't even come to pick you up till three weeks later. That's all part of it.
1: No, mm-hmm. no, no. So listen,
0: I fellas, I fucking go. love this chat we're having here, huh? We gotta yeah, do this more that. often. We hey. broke down. We broke listen, we could be silly gooses. Yep. is a silly goose time, but we also yep. hit home some real points, though, right? We also get down to the nitty-gritty in and can articulate from different points, uh, from different, you know, viewpoints of this.
1: We Ryan, I'm not, I'm not even offended that this is clearly your first time listening or participating on Iron Culture, because that's what we do every damn day, uh, every <laughs> We're week always here. we silly but, uh, 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 Ryan's like, this is what Iron Culture, is. man, I thought it was, st- like, I saw Eric, I saw oh, uh, oh they're going to talk science. And meanwhile, the, okay. then if the talk- Eric stands come in here and they're like, man, I'm ready to tear about that meta analysis. And Eric's like, so the thing about street fighter, when well, you enter the competitive <laughs> level, and I'm like, my man, my man, my By my the man. way, go. Rank? This
2: is, this is, this is a hundred percent real. You ranked up? I not haven't, well, sort cool. of. <laughs> I'm not a B rank yet on fight but okay. I did participate in my third online tourney. Yep. And this is the first time I did not get O2'd. Uh, so O2 for those who don't know, double elimination competitions <laughs> win loss. You go O2, you're done. You're just hanging out on stream watching everybody else play. Going yeah. good games, guys. This time I went 4-2. I would place 4th in the tournament, okay? That's uh that's that's it's that's, that's pretty decent. All right, I was in the semifinals in the losers bracket cuz you know, I did lose. Obviously, I didn't stay in the tournament. I didn't win. And uh yeah. So so we're we're, we're coming up folks. There's uh the, the goal is to be the guile in Australasia. That's, that's the goal. I'm, I'm nowhere near close yet, <laughs> but that's the goal.
0: So have, so this is Street Fighter II.
2: Super turbo. Or if you're playing the Japanese version, which we do, Grandmaster Challenge, Street Fighter Two X. That's right. Uh,
0: uh, it better be the Japanese version. Are you no. know what I mean? That, that's authentic.
2: Look, listen, if I'm trying to become like Muteki or Kotaka Shoten... Or the, you know the the best guiles out of Japan still still playing in the modern era. Uh, I gotta be playing on the legit stuff, and that's where the big tournaments are happening. So uh, we're talking. Shout out to the FGC. I we only I only play games that were made in 1994 or prior. So so don't come at me with oh Eric, what do you think about the new Street Fighter VI that's come out? Listen, I'm like Nas. I need one game, one character. One stage, and that's Guile's stage and Guile's theme in Street Fighter 2. Um, <laughs> what I stand for stands for itself. Okay, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> stands for, stands
0: for itself. Damn, there's a lot of fucking hard-hitting points here. So is it always Guile that you have to be, or is everyone in the tournament no. Guile, or how does this work?
2: So there's all all the characters in Street Fighter 2 Super Super bro. It's uh, just like Champions Edition or Hyper Fighting with the addition of the four new characters it came in from the new challengers, but super turbo they bumped the speed back up because everybody hated when the uh, when when they went back from the speed that hyper fighting was at in, in the states to the uh, the slower speed of the new characters. So the most popular Street Fighter is Super Turbo slash Grandmaster Channel Jacks. and that has been a competitive fighting game that's been very popular since the the mid nineties, and it still has a competitive scene. It's not nearly as big as like the esports stuff you'll see with like. You know Tekken eight or or whatever they're on or Street Fighter five that they just finished and Street Fighter six that's coming out but it's a very very small niche community of most the guys who are in their forties like my who I'm turning forty in April who are you know played 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 it on SNES like when they were like ten which is what I remember so during COVID I got into it sort of playing online and uh, got myself a fight stick and relived the nostalgia and I used to love playing as Guile when I was like a G.I. Joe fan. So I, I play Guile because it's nostalgia and uh, I refuse to play any other character or learn any other character. But, you know, you can play as Ryu, Ken, Blanca. Little known fact, Iggy Honda. Little known fact, by the way, is that in the States, uh, you know how we have Balrog as the boxer and first of the Shadaloo fighter characters. Well, that's because we were worried about, obviously, getting sued. Mike Tyson... M. Tyson. The guy's name is M. Bison originally, but in Japan, he's M Bison. So oh, to universally call these characters, you call them Boxer, Claw, or Dictator instead of Vega, Balrog, or M. Bison, because they swap the names all around for that for that switch to happen. So uh, all, all the boss characters, including Sagat. Um, most people play old Sagat, little known fact, which you have to enter a code to get the old version because he has more cancelable moves can't tech throws, no super, but still far better character if you look at the, uh, the, 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 the tiers. Uh, anyway, there, but there's a lot of characters. T-Hawk, Cammy, uh, DJ.
0: Fuck, I had a crush on Cammy, like, whoa, how's she doing now? We lost <laughs> touch, when, but...
2: So, unfortunately, so, so Cammy is viewed as the lowest tier character <sighs> in Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Now, here's the thing, though. So, uh, there's some really good Cami players. She's viable. I think Jack Toff shout out just won a major with Cami. Uh, Silent Scope, classic Cammy cammy player who does great. Um and I would argue if you actually look at the matchup charts that Hawk is actually lower tier than Cami. Unpopular opinion. But I think if you actually pay attention to the matchup charts, there's really no other opinion you can make. I'll leave it there, folks, because I think we've gotten a little off topic slightly. Hey, but do I you just want to say do like
0: recap and preview shows of this shit or <laughs>
2: No, that exists. So that exists. So shout out to Super Lore Boys. Shout out Def- to Riz One. There, there's there's a whole scene for Super Super Tubo. They have no idea who I am. They, they're never never gonna hear this. But I I'm trying.
1: About. There's no crossover in Venn diagrams. And link them and tell we need <laughs> yeah. the collab.
2: Dude, I, sh- I I I hope they get some shine out of this somehow. But anyway, um, yeah, big shout out to all the all the people playing old school fighting games, retro fighting games. And uh Brian, let me just say. Thank you so much for coming on. This will not be the last time. Uh, We're absolutely probably going to have some interviews, chats, and collaborations while we're in Sheffield. I'm really looking forward to it. I do think that Sheffield has already changed the game a little bit, even though it hasn't happened. We had people sandbagging at Worlds so they have a better chance at getting money. So to your point, Omar, uh, and to your point, uh, Ryan, money can have, I won't say positive or negative, I think it's both. Yep. But sometimes unanticipated impacts on a sport or, or any kind of culture when it comes into it. You know, money impacted hip hop in positive and negative ways. You know, if you, we go all the way back to 80s and break in and, and, and the, this, the start of that scene. And that's true of pretty much anything. With commercialization, sorry, with money comes commercialization and that's, that's bad and good, right? Um, but it also gives opportunity uh, to a lot of people. So I, I foresee lots to talk about in the future. And unanticipated changes, which I think will be exciting, but hopefully, and what I do believe will happen, is this will ultimately be good for the lifter. Mm-hmm. Well, this
0: is our death row era of the hip hop for powerlifting. This is our death row era. over saying Terrain. "Let's
2: see what happens." Man. I want to know who, who who is who is going to be Suge Knight because uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: we got the East Coast West Coast battles and everything. This is it's on impossible popular.
1: let right say PLIPF. I mean,
0: that's right, man. This yeah. is it is what it is. Let's see what happens. They just like Tupac and Biggie were boys had a falling out. I don't know, man.
2: Who are the two rappers who are, who are the two powerlifters who are going to die in the jungle and we'll never know who killed them? That's right.
1: It's got to be right. a super heavy. I mean, if we're just being realistic, right. like, <laughs> like, if we're just being realistic. Sorry, electric.
2: Jesus.
0: You kill one super heavy, you're feeding, you're feeding all the other powerlifters. So at least a few 66s for the rest of the week, right?
2: Yeah. So, so thank you, Jesus, for your contribution. That That's yeah. what Ryan is saying. <laughs> to this Lord be, of the Fly scenario.
0: That's right. Thank you for your culture. Quadru- He's like, I'm not fucking giving my body like
2: that. <laughs> He's just like, I'm never coming back on Iron Culture. Or King of the List. Yeah, when that's is this? right. Ooh. No, honestly, but, but in all seriousness, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to hanging out in person. Thank you for being on. Omar, is there anything you want to close no, with?
1: No, I'll just close out Ryan and echo exactly what Eric said. We're going to link your socials in the description because we have our main man, Kai, with the timestamps. Uh, this has been a far reaching episode and it certainly will not be our last. Like I said, we'll very likely be having that post Sheffield reflection, um, that their clarity. So I want to shout out everyone that left the rating and review. We read two of them, had a scour for the first one, loved it. Want to say thanks for the feedback. Once again, you could go ahead and leave your rating and review on Apple iTunes. It's not because we prefer Apple iTunes. It's the only one that's easy, easily accessible and you can read them from all over the world, which is why now Eric, you saw I went onto a website where I could see every single country, so Saudi Arabia, fantastic. Uh, Go ahead and leave a rating review. People typically leave five stars. The average rating is 4.8 currently. um, We're back every single insert date here from now until the end of time. We'll catch you in that next episode.